be able to uh, teach the few points that we uh, can learn from this passage, Lord, and help us again just to realize that every uh, word of God is, is pure and it's profitable, Lord. I pray you'd help us to learn from this passage tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, we were there in Joshua chapter 15. At least we, we got there eventually, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, we, we're there in Joshua 15, and, and we're getting towards the, the part of Joshua that, that, you know, the stories have kind of ended, and, and they're just beginning to uh, spread out the land. They're beginning to divide the land. And that's what we read there in Joshua 15, that entire process of giving this tribe these many cities, and that tribe these many cities, and that tribe these many cities. And you know, I, I wouldn't skip that reading if I were you. I would read it, because it's the Word of God, and it's profitable. But there are a few things that we can learn from this passage in between all of that. If you look at verse 13, remember last week we were talking about Caleb. Remember Caleb said, I want this mountain. He said, give me this mountain. And remember, if you remember last week we talked about how and Caleb ended his life and he was consistent. Remember, he was as strong at 80 years old as he was when he was 40 years old. And he ended his life and he was still contending. And he ended his life and he was still convinced that God would deliver uh, the, the land to him. Well, in Joshua 15, we kind of continue with that theme of, of Caleb there. And, and there's just a few verses that talk about Caleb. And I want to show you those uh, tonight and give you a few applications. And uh, if you look at verse number 13, the Bible says, And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. So if you remember, Caleb reminded Joshua and said, Hey Joshua, do you remember that Moses said that I could have this land? And he said, I want this mountain. Now in verse 13, it's interesting. Look at just the first part of verse 13. He says, And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave. You see the word gave there? The Bible says, He gave a part among the children of Judah. So, he gives him this land. Okay? He gives him this city. But here's the only problem. There's people that are living in that city. Giants are living in that city. The sons of Anak. Look at verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 14. The Bible says, And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, and Ahimam, and Talmai, the children of Anak. So here's what's interesting. God gave Caleb a blessing. God gave him a land. He said, Caleb, this is your land. And it's yours for the taking. But here's the interesting thing. Caleb had to then, you know, in verse 13, he's given the land. And in verse 14, we see, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak. So here's the thing. God says, hey, Caleb, I'm going to give you this land. It's yours for the taking. But then Caleb had to actually go there, and he had to conquer the land, and he had to drive out the inhabitants, and he had to take that land and possess the land. And here's what you got to understand. The spiritual application, there, keep your finger there in Joshua, but go with me just real quickly to the book of Galatians in your New Testament. Galatians. You've got 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Then you've got the book of Ephesians, Galatians chapter number 6. And look at verse number 4, just real quickly. Galatians chapter 4. Uh, and, and then put your bulletin or something, uh, a ribbon or a bookmark in Galatians. Because we're going to come back to that later on here tonight. But Galatians chapter number uh, 6. If you look at verse number 4. Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 4. The Bible says this. But let every man... Prove his own work. 
And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now keep your finger there in Galatians, okay? And go to 1 Corinthians, just real quickly. 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, you're going towards the, the left in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And look at this famous passage here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And look at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 9. The Bible says this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and, and verse... Well, you know what? Let's, let's begin reading at verse... Uh, uh, let, let's just begin reading at verse number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5. Look at what the Bible says. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now I want you to notice this. Who gave the increase? God gave the increase, right? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. For God is the one who gave that blessing. God, just like it said that, that God gave to Caleb that land, God gave the, the, the increase. Look at verse 7. So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that giveth the increase. So who gives the increase? God does. Look at verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own what? Labor. Do you see that? Look at verse 9. For we are laborers together. Do you see that word together? It says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So here's what you got to understand in the Christian life. And who is Caleb about to understand? God comes along you and along me. And God wants to give you a blessing. Now, what the blessing is in your life, I don't know. But God has something for you to do, to conquer. You know, I think of my own life, and I, I think, uh, you know, God has called me to, to start, to plant, to pastor Verity Baptist Church. And you know, in the, in the last two and a half years, or two years and seven months or so, we've seen a lot of growth, and we've seen a lot of increase, we've seen a lot of people saved. And lot. But you know, I, I just believe this, God says to our church, He says, I've got a land, I've got a blessing, He said, I've got people that I want to give to Verity Baptist Church, He said, I've got an increase I want to give you, but here's what you understand, God gives you the blessing, and then He expects you to go and work for it. God gave Caleb the land, but then Caleb had to physically go to the land and drive out the enemy and conquer the land and possess the land. And in your life and in my life, it's the same way. You know, it's interesting to me because God will promise you and I as Christians, He'll promise you the victory over sin. He'll promise you the victory over the flesh. He'll promise you victory over over addictions and over bad habits and over the sin that does so easily beset us, like the Bible says. But you know that when you get saved, we don't believe in, in, in you know, the fact that, that once you're saved, you're just fully sanctified. You know, some people teach that once you get saved, you never sin anymore. Well, the Bible never teaches that. When you got saved, see, before you were saved, sin had control over your body. And you could not stop sinning if you tried. Okay? But after you got saved, God gives you the victory over sin. He gives you the ability to get victory over the sin that does usually beset us. But He doesn't automatically do it. Here's what He does. He says, hey, there's the land. He says, hey, there's the victory. He says, hey, there's the increase that I have for you. Now I expect you to go and get it. And if you're going to accomplish the things in your life that God has for you, God will say, the victory is yours. I'll give you my power. I'll give you whatever you need. He said, my Holy Spirit will help you. He said, I will give you the victory. But you got to go. And if you never go, then you'll never possess. 
See, God says to Caleb, go. He said, you want that land? He said, you want that mountain? Go ahead. He's like, he said, I have given it to you. But then the next verse, we see Caleb going over there and getting to work. And you know, I, I believe, you know, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I, I believe that God has blessed some of you and me with finances. I believe that God has given us finances. I believe, you know, that we've got things coming up that, you know, we've got a lot of work that needs to go into that van. We've got, obviously, we're going to have to do something about a building here at sometime soon, and that's going to cost money. And I believe that God has already provided for all the needs that this church has. But He expects us to go out and work and get that. You understand what I'm saying? He said, well, well you know, because this idea that, well, God's going to give me the victory, and I'm just going to sit here, and He's just going to do it for me. It's never going to happen. God's going God's to give us the increase. Yeah, he says, God gave the increase. And then he says, but we are laborers together with God. He expects you to go and get that blessing. He expects you to, he says, hey, there's the land. He said, I've given it to you. It's up to you. You've got to go get it. And see, what we can learn from this story is this. God was, uh, was willing to give the land, but he expected Caleb to work. And here's the interesting thing about Caleb. He was willing to work for the blessing. He said, hey God, you've given me that promise? He said, okay, I'm going to go grab it. God expects you to do your part. See, we teach and preach, and we do so correctly, that salvation is not by works. That salvation is not, you don't have to do anything to be saved, but believe it. But once you are saved, all the blessings that God has for your life, God expects you to do your part. You know, I can teach and preach the Bible all day, every day, but if you never apply that to your life, you know, you can walk out of here and know, you know, sometimes people come to church and, and people come, people have came to our church before and said, I'm here because I need my kids to get straightened out. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my kids. I need them to get straightened out. Well, guess what? I can preach a whole Mother's Day sermon and teach exactly what you got to do to raise your kids. But if you learn that and never apply it, it does nothing. You understand that? We can teach you about finances, we can teach you about work ethic, we can teach you how to overcome sin. We can tell you, hey, God has given you the victory over, over sin, but you've got to then, every day, deny the flesh, take up your cross and follow Him. You say, well, well God, doesn't God give me the victory? Yeah, but He expects you to do your part. We ought to be willing to work for the blessing. Joshua was willing to, uh, I'm sorry, Caleb was willing to work for that blessing. Go back to Galatians. Let me just show you a couple of verses. And, and like I said, keep your finger there in Galatians, so we're going to come back to that uh, as well. But just, let me just show you this. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 4. But let every man prove his own work. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he, uh, shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Let me just tell you this. If you are going to succeed in your Christian life, in your secular business, in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, you have to make that decision. Notice what he says. Let every man prove his what? Own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone. If I could magically make you do what you're supposed to do, I would. But I can't force you to live out the way the Bible does. I have enough trouble forcing myself to live the way the Bible does. You understand what I'm saying? If you're going to be successful in your life, you're going to have to look at the work that God has given you and say, I'm 
going to get to this. Me and God are going to work on this together. And then you're going to have to make that decision. Look, look at verse, uh, verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Nobody could conquer the land for Caleb. Caleb had to conquer that land. And you know, and, and I'll use our church as an example because it's, it's easy to understand. But you know, Verity Baptist Church started uh, uh, September of 2010. And when we started, there was, you know, do you understand that there was no such thing as Verity Baptist Church? There's no building, there's no people. I mean, we didn't know who was going to come. We didn't know if anybody was going to come. And we started, and this church was just started from scratch. I mean, literally, it was an idea. And God has blessed it, and God has brought people, and God has increased, and praise the Lord for that. But here's what you got to understand, is that, that God, you know, we can say, oh, we're going to start a church, but then you got to get out there and knock on those doors. you got to get out there and invite the people. you got to get out there and do the increase. God expects you to do the work. He says, hey, I'll give you the increase, and I think of you, and I think, you know, I, I think of, of, of your families, and the people that have been here, and the people that consider themselves church, and I think to myself, if we would have never started this church, what would you be doing for the last three years? You know, God had an increase set aside for us, but we have to go out and we have to say, okay, let's do this. Let's hand out those invitations. Let's go knock on those doors. How many of you came to our church because you got an invitation at the door? Because you, you said, now, you, we could have not gone, we could have not done that. We could have just stayed back and said, well, God's going to build a church. But see, God says, I've got an increase for you, but I expect you to go do it. And in your life, God has an increase for you. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it is being a godly mother and raising godly children. Maybe it's a business. Whatever it is, God has something for you. And He says, hey, I've got a blessing for you. I'm going to increase you, but you've got to do your part. He was willing to work for the blessing. We can preach the Bible all day long. But if... You never apply it. And you know, here's what I was saying about our church. Is that anything that our church does, we're going to have to work for it. We just, just got to realize that. We're not part of a denomination. Somebody told my wife recently that they, they know of a church where their denomination gave them, like, some ridiculous amount of money. Like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They just wrote them a check. They said, here, you need some money? Go ahead. Man, that'd be nice. <laughs> Somebody just, some denomination somewhere just says, here, Verity Baptist Church. We heard you needed a building. Here you go. Well, guess what? That, the check's not coming. <laughs> Trust me, I check the mail every day. <laughs> My wife checks the mail. I said, did the million dollar check come in? What million dollar check? The one I've been praying for. <laughs> if we're going to accomplish something for God at our church, guess what? We're going to have to do it. Say, so, well, why is that? Because we are a first generation church. We, we didn't come in here and took over, you know. And, and I'm not against people who do this. I'm just telling you, we're not on the, in that boat. There's some guys who go and they take over a church that's already got a building. Already got, and that's fine. Praise the Lord for it. Some churches need a pastor. And I'm all for that. But that's not where we are. We're Caleb. We're conquering new land. We're getting new ground. Do you understand that? And anything we do, we're going to have to work for it. We're going to have to get... If we're going to get another building, guess what, guys? I'm sorry to tell you, but we're going to have to paint that building. And we have to spray down that building. And we may have to do the same ceilings in that building. I'm just saying, anything we do, we got to realize, God has a blessing and praise the Lord for it. I'm, I have faith that God has something for us, but we're going to have to work for it. And we got to be willing to work for that blessing. And God has a blessing in your life. Go back to, to uh, Joshua 15. I said Joshua 15, not 14, okay? Joshua 15. Caleb was willing to work for the blessing, but number two, I want you to see this. Not only was Caleb willing to work for the blessing, but Caleb was willing to challenge the next generation to work for the blessing. Look what the Bible says. Look at verse, look at verse 13 again. 
And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandments of the Lord, to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber, and the name of Debor before was Kurjath Sefer. Now don't miss this, okay? God gave Caleb the land of Hebron. Caleb goes to Hebron, takes over the land, gets the Anakims out of there, conquers the land, but then in verse 15 the Bible says, when he's done with that, notice what he does, verse 15, and he went up thence, the word thence means after that, he said after he got done taking over the land that God gave him, he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber. Okay, Deber is another city. Deber was never given to Caleb. Deber was never a possession that Caleb was supposed to have. But he goes to this other city, Deber, which by the way, was very close to the land that he had taken. Notice what it says. And the name of Deber before was uh, Kurjat Sefer. Look at verse 16. And Caleb said, notice what Caleb said, He that smiteth Kurjat Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. Now obviously, the culture of Old Testament Israel was different than the culture today. Today, a husband, you know, a father does not say, Hey, whoever does this, I'll give you my, my wife, you know, my wife, tonight, my daughter to wife. You know, you'd probably go to prison if you did that today, you know what I mean? But that's a very common thing they did in that culture, you know. Uh, I, I'm probably just going to say, no one can ever marry my daughter. <laughs> that's my attitude. Uh, she's going to live with us till, till she's old. That's, that's what I want. But... He says, here's what he does, here's what I'm just saying. He takes over the land, he goes to another land, and then he puts out a challenge. He says, hey, I took over Hebron, and here's what he does, because remember, he's 85 years old, right? Remember from last, last chapter? He looks over at those young guys, and he says, hey, young guys, I just got done taking over Hebron, and now there's this town here, Deber. He said, I'm going to challenge you. He said, and if one of you wants to take over that land, he said, I'll give you my, my, my daughter to wife. And I'm sure his, his, his daughter was sure very beautiful. And of course, Caleb was like a hero in, in, in Israel. So I'm sure anybody would have wanted to take that offer. Look at verse 16. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kurjath Sefer, and taketh it to him, will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. Well, notice what happens. Verse 17. And Othniel the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. I like that. Doesn't really say a lot, it just says this. Here's, here's what happens. An old man puts a challenge to a young man. An old man says, look what I've done. An older gentleman says, look what I've accomplished for God. Hey, young guys, why don't you do the same? And then Othniel, this young man, comes up and he says, sure. And in the Bible, just said, I just love it. How it just says, he took it. He conquered the land. Notice what it says, verse 17. And Ophniel, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, to wife. So he married Caleb's uh, daughter. And, and, and I don't have time to go there, but, you know, Ophniel is a very important character, because the next book after the book of Joshua is the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a book that gives us the story of all the different judges who judged the land of Israel after Joshua, the leader, died. And guess who was the very first judge that God used to deliver his people from the enemies in the book of Judges it was a young man by the name Othniel it's interesting 
that Caleb would put a challenge and say, hey, I took over this land, who wants to take over that land? If you take over that land, I'll give you my, my daughter to wife. And Othniel steps up and he says, I'll do it. What can we learn from that? Number one, you've got to learn that we ought to be willing to work for the blessing that God wants to give you. But number two, we ought to be willing to challenge the next generation to do the same. Not only should we be conquering the land that God has given us, but you know, as our church grows and matures, we ought to be developing some young people and some young men, and what to God that one day from Verity Baptist Church, there would go out some young couple. Hey, what to God that there be a young Othniel among our midst that would go out from this, uh, from this church and maybe start another Verity Baptist Church somewhere. I'm not saying they got to name it Verity Baptist Church, but I'm saying, what to God that there be maybe, uh, maybe there's a, one of those kids that was singing here uh, this morning. Maybe one of them will grow up and be a preacher, or one of those girls will grow up and marry some preacher that we can send out of this church, and we can challenge him. Here's what we do. We say, hey, we started a church in Sacramento. We started knocking on doors. We started preaching the gospel. We started preaching the Bible. We didn't water it down. We stayed by the stuff. We stayed old-fashioned. We stayed like the Bible. And then we can look at the young generation and say, why don't you do it too? And Lord willing, we'll challenge some young people that say, hey, I can do that. And maybe they'll go, hey, wouldn't it be great if there was five or six Verity Baptist churches around the Sacramento area? Wouldn't it be great if we got five or six young men in California preaching the gospel? If we had guys all over this country and all over this world that came out of this church because there was a church that said, I'm willing to go take that land and I'm willing to go fight that battle and I'm willing to go do that work and then I'm willing to also challenge the next generation. That's what we need. Caleb was willing to work for the blessing, but Caleb was also willing to challenge the next generation for the blessing. Othniel was the first judge of Israel. Point number three, look at verse 18. And it came to pass, because remember, Othniel marries the daughter of Caleb. If you look at the last part of verse 17, it says, Axa, his daughter to wife. He gave him Axa, his daughter to wife. Verse 18. And it came to pass, as she came unto him, so Axa, Caleb's daughter, came unto him, Othniel, that she moved him, Othniel, to ask of her, Axa, father, a field. Okay, so you understand what's going on? The daughter is married to Othniel, and he, she gets Othniel to go ask Caleb for, for a field. And we don't know, the Bible doesn't give us details here, but it seems like somehow throughout the conversation, they kind of changed their minds there, and they decided that it might be better for Aksa to go ask her father herself. Are you following what's going on there? Aksa says to her husband, Othniel, can you go ask my dad, Caleb, for a, a land? And I'm sure Othniel said, you know... If I go ask your dad, he'll probably say no. But if you go ask your dad, princess, <laughs> we're more likely to get a right response. Because your dad never said no to you. But notice the last part of verse 18. And she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? So she goes to travel to see her dad. She comes off uh, her, her animal there, her beast that she's traveling with. And Caleb says, What wouldest thou? He says, What do you need, honey? Verse 19. Who answered? Notice what she says. Give me a blessing. Hey, by the way, there's nothing wrong with asking for a blessing. There's nothing wrong with getting on your knees and asking our Heavenly Father for a blessing. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, uh, going to God and saying, hey, would you give me a blessing? I, I love how this daughter just comes to her father. He says, well, what do you need? And she says, give me a blessing. Now notice. He says, for thou hast given me a southland. So Caleb had already given 
his daughter and her husband, Othniel, a land. Now you've got to keep in mind, where did Caleb get his land from? He had to go conquer it. God gave it to him, but he had to work for it. But then he just gave land to his daughter. Now notice, she says, For thou hast given me a south land, give me also springs of water. So she says, look, I want more than what you've given me. And by the way, let me just say this, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you going to God and saying, God, thank you for the blessing you've given us, thank you for this building that you've given us, but we want a bigger one. There's nothing wrong with that. She said, you've given me a south land, give me also springs of water. And he gave her, notice, he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, Caleb was willing to go work for the blessing. Number two, Caleb was willing to challenge the next generation for the blessing. But number three, Caleb was willing to be generous with his blessing to others. See, Caleb did not have this attitude. You know how you talk to some guys today, and they'll have this attitude. And by the way, let me just tell you this. At Verity Baptist Church, starting a church from scratch is not easy. And we struggle, you know, and, and I work a full-time job and, and all those things. And my wife has to do a lot of things around here that she doesn't get credit for, like writing my sermons and stuff like that. No, she doesn't do that, okay? <laughs> she wrote down the wrong text. That's why I started reading. <laughs> no. You know, but it, it's a struggle. But let me tell you this. When, when we've got some young guys coming up that want to start churches, we're not, we should not have this attitude like, well, we struggle, so you need to struggle too. Well, I had to work a full-time job for many years, so you got to work a full-time job too. You know what? I, you know, I, I want us to struggle. I want us to work. I want us to gain land. I want us to gain victories. I want us to grow and, and get stronger. And you know, when these young kids start growing up, and they go off and start churches, and they go off and start ministries, and they go off and start preaching, I want them to be able to come to us and say, Hey, thanks for the land you've given us. Can you give us more? If we can make it easier for them to serve God, why not? I, mean, I don't want them to struggle because I struggle. I don't want them, you know, it, hey, I, I don't have this, this idea where, well, you know, when I was doing it at three and a half years, we only had 50 people coming to church, so bless God, you're going to do, if I can make it so that they don't have to work a full-time job, and they can go pastor, or they can go live for God, if they don't have to fight the battles that we're fighting, praise God for it. I don't want the next pastor of Andy Baptist Church to deal with the same issues I'm dealing with. We're trying to make it easier for the next generation to serve God. And Caleb, he didn't look at, at his daughter and say, hey, go conquer your own land. He said, what can I do for you? How can I make this easier for you? How can I help you succeed? See, Caleb was willing to work for his blessing. And Caleb was willing to challenge the next generation for his blessing. But Caleb was also willing to help the next generation and make it as easy as possible for them to succeed. And that's what our church is about. Our church, you look around in our church, what you see here today, this is not the measure of what we will accomplish. This is just the beginning. 20 and 30 years from now, whatever building we're in, whatever crowd we have, whatever, however many vans we've got, whatever we're doing, I don't know where we're going to be. But I, I do want to know this, that I want us to be helping the next generation to succeed. I want us to be helping the next generation to do more, to accomplish more, to have more people saved than we've had saved, to have more people baptized than we've had baptized, to be able to preach harder and stronger and, and know more Bible and be able to study more and understand more than we have. We're, our job is to make it easier for the next generation. Now, don't misunderstand me, because when you get to judge us, guess what? Othniel's fighting battles too. And our next generation, the next generation is going to have their own set of battles they've got to fight. But you know where we make the mistake? And I'm not going to get into it, 
that much tonight. Let me just let me just let me just give you this. Look at verse sixty-three, last verse of the chapter. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with them, with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. Now let me just test your Bible knowledge a little bit. Does the city of Jerusalem sound familiar to you? <laughs> it's a pretty uh, keynote city, right? In the book of Joshua, they were not able to drive out the Jebusites from Jerusalem. So what happened from Joshua to when Jesus Christ, you know, was, was alive? When Jesus Christ was alive, Jerusalem was the main place he was at. Okay? So what happened? Here's what happened. Somewhere along that line... Do you remember a man by the name of King David? King David, many, many years later, had to conquer the land of the Jebusites, and he conquered Jerusalem, and David made Jerusalem the, the, the capital city of Israel. Well, what can we learn from that? The next generation had to fight the battles that the old generation could not win. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know who the next pastor of Mary Baptist Church is when I die, you know, 70 years from now. <laughs> Whatever. But I don't want that guy to fight the battles that I should have fought. And in your life, you don't want your kids to fight the battle that you should have fought. It, we need to understand that we are trying to win a battle against the world, against the flesh, and against the devil. And if I can make it easier for my kids to succeed, and you can make it easier for your kids to succeed, or if I can make it easier for my spiritual converts or children, whatever you want to call them, for my spiritual son or my Timothy that I might train or whoever you're reaching, if you can make it easier, you fight that battle so they don't have to. David had to fight the battles that Joshua should have fought. You understand what I'm saying? But Caleb was willing, he said, hey, I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to try to make it as easy for you as possible. What we can learn from this passage is this. Caleb was willing to do the work. He was willing to fight the battle. He was also willing to challenge the next generation. But not he only didn't challenge the next generation, he helped them along the way. He tried to help them to succeed and to conquer their land and fight their battles. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church, Lord. I know there's just a few verses here in Joshua 15 that we looked at, but Lord, uh, I just believe that we can learn so much from uh, Caleb and just, Lord, just the tenacity of this man. To be willing to go fight, to be willing to go do that. 85-year-old man. And, and we know that that was miraculous and, and God took a part in that. We understand that. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to be like Caleb. I pray you'd help us, Lord, not to be disgruntled or be uh, complaining about, well, why, why are things so hard for us? Let's just go fight those battles and win them. Let's go fight those battles so the next generation doesn't have to. You know, I, I think in our, in our homes, Lord, let, let's, let's fight the battle against drugs and alcohol in our homes so that next generation doesn't have to fight it. Lord, help us to, to, to win the battle of, of raising our kids godly, like we talked about this morning, so that they don't have to fight those same battles. Lord, I pray you'd help us and you'd bless us. Help us to all be, have a little bit of Caleb inside of us. Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.